0: delighted to be joined by the incredible Dr Anne-Marie Imaphadon today. Dr Anne-Marie MBE is a former child prodigy passing two GCSEs in primary school and was the youngest girl ever to pass A level computing at the age of 11. Following this she went on to achieve her master's degree in mathematics and computer science from the University of Oxford at just age 20. Since then, Anne-Marie has forged an impressive CV, including positions at Goldman Sachs, Hewlett-Packard and Deutsche Bank. It is this wealth of experience and pioneering spirit that has led her to co-find The STEMettes, which is an award-winning social enterprise inspiring girls and young women into science, technology, engineering, and mathematical roles. And in recognition of her achievements and such influence, she was awarded an MBE in 2017 for services to young women and STEM sectors. We have a jam-packed episode ahead of us, so let's get to it. So Dr Anne-Marie, it is such a pleasure to have you as a guest on the episode of The Right Angles. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today.
1: Thanks for having me. Always, always glad to talk maths.
0: Absolutely, and everything else. So I had a really tough task to try and include all of those achievements in that introduction as possible I feel a bit iceberg about it like you can't cram everything in and um, so we didn't get to touch the surface but your passion for what you do is just incredible and I cannot wait to talk to you about some of the exciting things that you've got coming up. But as our listeners know, and as you may have, have heard in previous episodes, I love an icebreaker. Um, and this time of year, there's lots of new concepts, New Year's resolutions. It's a new year, new you know, passions and, and goals. So I was wondering, can you think of something new that you would like to do or to try in
1: in the year ahead? I actually want to learn a new language I want to learn Punjabi um wow. yeah like that's that's something I have wanted to do I mean it's not just a new year thing I've, I wanted to do it last year and I didn't get it done so this mm. year maybe might be the year I finally learn um Punjabi
0: that's incredible why Punjabi what's the what's the reasoning behind that
1: so I've got people in my family that speak it that yeah. I, I kind of just don't know what they're saying when they're speaking it and it'd be nice to just kind of get involved in conversations sometimes <laughs> <Just to> up- <laughs> but I've always I- liked languages I have always liked languages I've always had a thing for them so I think um yeah that would be yeah it would be nice to kind of do that again someday right. for a while and,
0: I know. might just check you this time next year and find out how far you got with it <laughs>
1: be my accountability partner yeah
0: (laughs) absolutely um so let's get start let's start about the new book i i cannot contain my excitement about this she's in control loving that title um (laughs) can you tell like obviously i'm just thinking this is just me and you having a chat here i keep forgetting that there's going to be listeners listening in Hi listeners. I just want to know all about it. Can can I reserve a copy? It's March,
1: isn't it? Out in March. Well, I think it might be June at this point. Right. Writing a book is not like solving math problems. It kind of just goes on and on and on. And there's edits and there's this and there's that. Whereas I think math is a little bit more straightforward. So um it's yeah. probably going to be towards the end of June. Um uh, mid, mid to end June. But yeah, it's called She's in Control and basically there's so much work that I've done with young people so with young girls with non-binary young people about exposing them to the world of science technology engineering arts and math STEM STEAM um, and everyone's always like oh you know well I'm a bit older you know what do we do for me or you know those kinds of things and so this was kind of like my beginning to answer that a little bit to say okay cool if you're not necessarily what you know, we might define as a young person or within the scope of STEMETS, here's something for slightly older people to get them engaged in what tech is. But I think also as an adult, as a woman, perhaps as well, you know, you've got a different set of problems, right, that you're trying to solve. You've got a different set of um, expectations. You've got a different spe- set of perspectives from the young people that we work with. And so the book is all about how do you use your knowledge of STEM to actually take agency, right and take control which is why we kind of got the pun control the keyboard control of parts of your life and use it as a as a kind of step up but also you know we should really be making those decisions. We should be at those technical tables, even if it looks like we might not be, you know, this whole myth of, you know, the non-technical women and women don't do maths and all this other kind of nonsense. This is like, no, here's why you should be here. Here's who was there before that you may not have known. And here's what could happen in the future if more women, you know, became technical and were able to take control in that technical sense.
0: Do you know, I think that's a really interesting point about the women that were there before who have achieved things before that you may not have known I'm such Mm -hmm. an advocate of this in schools you know we've got um the poster campaign which I've talked about before on previous Mm -hmm. episodes of not just women but you know just mathematicians all all the forgotten mathematicians that you know you might not have heard of and I've had a big yeah like a a social media thing on twitter from the maths emporium just promoting you know elbert cox's birthday at the weekend or mary cartwright or you know because people that they you know our young people in schools may not come across they may not have heard of them so i'm just encouraging teachers and and schools and centers to you know they're free print these posters off make a display start conversations you know have these these conversations about oh what did she do or what did he do? I've never heard of them before. So I think that's a really great, great starting point for for our, our educators to have. Um, I yeah, don't reserve this book. It sounds incredible.
1: <laughs> Thank you. I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it's the herstory. I, I end up calling it, well, it's called the herstory normally, uh, these women in STEM and women in, in math in particular. And I think it's one of those ones where I think you know, it's in in schools, but it's also in society, right? So if people knew about them, then teachers would be able to take them in and everyone would talk about them and the parents would be able to talk about them as well as the young people being able to talk about them. So I think it's it's all of us kind of skilling up, or all of us getting to know and understand that history, but making an effort as well to talk about it alongside what we're doing right so you know things like wi-fi you've got Hedy Lamarr or you know the string theory and there's all kinds of different parts of maths that we can uh, look to marry sophie Germain about so -hmm. I think it's it's kind of tying as well to the norm because as much as we talk about their male counterparts which you know if you go to society if you go to teachers if you go to schools if you go to textbooks they're kind of already there and embedded it's just as important that we have you know a diversity of names that we can call on
0: I want to talk to you about the how to be a maths with um activities as well they my two absolutely love it Aww. and I just for those that are listening what's the idea behind those activities um uh, uh, and have you got any plans for any more oh I don't know that's
1: a that's a big question um <laughs> I think so so the, the idea behind the activities for me maths is not just about the, you know, and it's so funny, like at the moment there's a lot of the arithmetic I've been doing, which I'm sure we'll get onto shortly, but math isn't just about the writing things down and doing the arithmetic maths is a way a language that we have to understand the, the world a language we have to kind of try and conceptualize things and solve problems and so with the book my there was kind of there was quite a, a kind of a lot of intentions behind trying to show the other side or trying to help folks kind of almost take it off the page and you know how often do we get to touch maths right and try maths and do maths beyond what is the traditional sense of you know, writing down these sums, or you know, drawing out this particular circle. So, but that that was kind of one side with the book, and then the other side with has to be a matter with was the fact that you know we of course have the curriculum, and it's super important, and it's part of how we're able to make sure we've got some sort of you know baseline across the population, uh, or of course, across of course the perhaps just the cohort. But we you know you have shape and space, you have number, you have you know um, uh, data and statistics, right, and so my thing was okay but outside of the curriculum outside of life that's not how things are compartmentalized you know I quite like food and there's a lot of maths in food right or young people all you know have a body and there's a lot of maths in their body and so this was my way of trying to take it from a different angle and allow folks to try and see it in a different way so they can kind of get closer to the maths or get to know it from the other side. Because I think part of being a whiz is, you know, you don't just have one angle, you don't just have one set of um, understandings that you apply to math problems or life, right? It's about having different angles and being able to do it forwards as well as backwards from the side, from the top, you know, in all dimensions. So it was about making it real, making it touchable. And then, you know, somehow the principles sit a little bit deeper like if you've you know know what the angle know the difference in the angle um and the speed of your car coming down um you know that's something you can feel you can remember you can see and you can not just visualize but you know you can touch in a way that normally you know we if we just stick to maybe the traditional methods of teaching maths you know for some people that works for many it doesn't and so that was the point the point was let's give everyone the opportunity to be this maths whiz, whiz let's allow give everybody the opportunity to try the maths and to do the maths and to touch the maths and to eat the maths which is my favorite part of it all <laughs> um, and i think uh, you know as you said with your with your children with other feedback you know, folks have really taken to that let's just try something different um let's just do it differently yeah
0: it is and it's that that physical element like getting involved and doing rather than you know like an abstract thought and I think that's that's a really key element at the moment particularly with so much virtual learning and remote yeah. learning. um I certainly have have had a conscious thought um at Pearson you know what can we do to to get these kids doing again you know kind mm-hmm. of Engaging with their maths. I also think there's a bit of a disjoint between the primary and the secondary phase, which was another reason for my my thoughts behind that work. It's it's astonishing when, as a classroom teacher, when your your students they're buzzing in year seven. They come in and they're vibrant and they've got all the questions and they want to get involved in everything. Um, and then they you can see that almost disappointment on their face when it becomes a dry delivery at secondary school mm. they're used to having the cubes the tape the shapes the you know the physical learning of of um, the mastery element at primary school mm. and then all of a sudden all the cubes and the coins and everything is like <laughs> dusty <laughs> <It's> dusty <laughs> the cupboards in secondary schools so I'm a big fan of that you know using manipulatives and um, hopefully, you know, as as things progress. I mean, we're still living in this pandemic, but hopefully, at the opportunities that, that teachers get, they they get
1: physical attributes to the the curriculum. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping, and I think with STEMETs as well, we've seen this where you know we used to do maths school trips as well, and of course because of the pandemic, that's all had to slow down. So I think it's also about getting to see the the, the physical, you know, getting outside the classroom to see the you know, physical application of a lot of these things, which yeah you're right has been a shame I mean yeah. you know, they say it's four years normally for a pandemic so um, I think we've we've still we're quite we're still in we're kind of only halfway yeah. less than halfway maybe even by yeah. the time this goes out.
0: I wonder so. if teachers now I mean I was teaching at the start of the you know the first lockdown and you know we we're all just thrown at home and locked away mm. and, but you know teachers and and schools they've come on so far in mm. such a time and I wonder yeah. And I'd, I'd like to think that now teachers are not just saying, oh, here's an uploaded resource, you know, have a look at that. I, I really hope that there are. Can you go around the house? Can you find this? How about you can find this in the house and tell me about how you would work such and such, you know, kind of get them more physical learning and looking at the environment that they're in mm. um, just to kind of mix up the way that they're they're learning these topics. Um, yeah. So I, you know, we're probably a halfway through. Um, this pandemic but well I'm just hoping if anyone has got ideas they can share as well they can share on the Emporium and, and you know support each other um, you mentioned the STEMETs oh my goodness we cannot have a podcast episode with Dr. in Mathedon without celebrating the successes of the STEMETs I'm not going to say anymore I would love for you to tell our listeners about this incredible enterprise you know how did it start what does it do what's its aims
1: Sure. So how did it start? Well, I've always been into maths, always been into tech. Um, I've always been a girl as well. Um, and I ended up working in the tech industry um, and really loving it and really enjoying it, but kind of ended up having there was a series of events. Uh, I kind of went to a conference actually in the States that was purely, it was three and a half thousand technical women all at one conference. And it kind of was a bit of a, a turning point for me. I was like, oh my goodness, I've never been... In an all female mathematical or technical or STEM environment. And I never noticed. <laughs> and it's one of those really interesting things where it's like, I was so down in the maths, right? So down in the tech, so down in what I was doing, so down in the databases, <laughs> that I'd never been able to kind of look up and, you know, either in my meetings see that I was the odd one out or on my course see that again, it was just the three of us or on that and there's my course at university or even look back and you know some of the exams i did even an a level on the different maths modules that it was you know sometimes it was just me anyway but if it was five of us doing some obscure mechanics module i was the only girl and so i kind of was like ah, oh, hang on a second that's not right that's kind of not okay um firstly girls do this thing because i'm a girl and i've always done this thing it's never grated with any part of what what makes me a girl Um, but also you know there are big problems I'm solving there's a lot of things that technology is influencing and you know making decisions about in our lives and how is it that there are no women at that table because women are part of the people that decisions are being made about women are part of the the kind of um the the space that technology and that power is being wielded over and so I started Stemets and created this Stemets you know it was a new year's resolution um, mm-hmm. And normal people would say that they're going to start doing more yoga or learning Punjabi. And that year I was like, I'm going to start this Stamets thing, Stamets project. I called it initially, um, and that was back in 2013. And the idea was just, look, we have a lot of fun in industry. Like there's a lot of cool things we get to do. You know, at that point, Instagram was becoming more of a thing. You sit on Instagram all day, like there are technical people that made it. You could make a better Instagram, you know, and so and this is a viable option. And these are all things you could do. And, you know, as much as it's brilliant to be a math teacher, there are so many young people we spoke to who thought that was the only thing you could do in maths and it's like no you know there are there are uh, healthcare professionals that are using maths to do things there are people in you know that work in airports and on airplanes and all aerodynamic, you know there's so much that you can do with it but if you don't know anybody if you've never seen it in the movies if you've not seen it on tv if your teachers don't know because the industry is moving so fast then how are you going to be able to firstly see the opportunities and understand them and secondly access them. So STEMETS is all about engaging, connecting and inspiring the next generation of women and of non-binary young people into with STEAM and STEM and all that it has to offer. You know there's such a broad diversity of things that the young people you're teaching now by the time they are ready to work you know there will be roles that they'll be doing that don't even exist today and so the whole point of STEMETS was look it doesn't have to be a lonely journey It doesn't have to be something that you have to rail against the machine and rail against the stereotypes and rail against school. It doesn't even need to be something that you have all the top, top grades in. You know, there are so many options that you have. Come and just explore and make an informed decision about whether this is something you want to uh, be a part of or something you at least want to understand. So that's the whole point. Of so we run long term in, intersectional, long term cohort programs. We run impactful, more short term kind of events. And then we have our inspirational content platforms that are available 24 seven for young people to get advice, for their parents to get advice, for teachers. Uh, to be able to kind of you know also clue up on this because I think sometimes that goes missing right as a teacher you know that you are of course the person in charge and the person that's given the knowledge but you know who's giving you the information right how do you know all these newfangled tech widget cloud special like what does that mean Um, and so we're we're there to kind of help we're there to help the young people but the people around them so the teachers the parents um, their peers their siblings and, and others as well
0: that's awesome yeah my next question was going to be how how can they get involved is it just teacher-led or centre-led but the individuals and parents can get involved as well can't they they can just
1: yeah um, yeah so the best the best thing is to visit our websites stemets.org and sign up to the newsletters we have a teacher's newsletter we have a parent's newsletter for the young people we're, we're all on socials and we do have our event alerts newsletter so everything is free to attend there's no kind of assessment as well so it's not you know, just about the high potential um, young people, this is about everybody. Um, and, you know, we have events, we have online events, we have Instagram lives, you can go back and watch and, and see the team getting to talk to these people. Um, but as parents, you know, we've got parents newsletter. So every, every month, there's always something to consider. We've got a couple of parents in the team, lots of them in our community. So it's like an open dialogue or open conversation we have uh, with a little bit of a reminder and almost a, you know, when we're telling the girls and we're telling the young people this, you know, this is what that means. And you can kind of learn along with them as well. It's it's all fully accessible. Um, but for teachers, we also have our Stemillion STEM clubs as well. Um, we've partnered with the NEU actually at the moment um, to get some of those out into schools and to teachers, into teachers' hands to kind of, again, you know, for secondary students, for key stage three and key stage four, tying it to the curriculum, but also making it physical, making it real, making it touchable with things that people can find around the house. So whether it's sweets, whether it's paper, Um, all kinds of things and we love food so you'll see that a lot even the the the, the teacher the activity packs are called meal plans which starts as mains and desserts so we're very there's a lot of food involved that'd be the main thing I'd say actually brace yourself for all the food
0: love that we seem to have a way of incorporating food into a lot of our (laughs) stuff i had a chat with um dr m's lord from enrich and she was talking to me about how to introduce algebra via a really big bar of chocolate so i thought, yes i like that idea (laughs) could get food into every element here Um, so another one i'm trying to squeeze everything in so everyone can get um an angle onto everything that you're involved in so can we talk about Countdown. So this is sure. one of the most running game shows in the world. I'm a little bit starstruck right now because <laughs> I just, I was that, you know, I remember vividly as a child watching Carol Vorderman, wanting to be just as good, if not better than the contestants. You know, I always... Bowed to Carol and was never trying to beat her, she was my guru. Um, but watching her as the um, arithmetician was a great inspiration to me as that young female, young girl, budding mathematician. Um, so, are you Is fe- there, there any pressure? I know you've already um, appeared on Countdown, but do you feel that sense of responsibility for young people, girls looking up to you and, and aspiring to
1: be like you? I think yes and no. And I think, I think I feel a sense of responsibility mostly because I run STEMETS, I think. So I, I kind of maybe got it more than others because it literally has become my job and something that has become a big part of what I stand for. So I do feel a lot of responsibility, but I think um, it, it's responsibility for doing something I was doing anyway which I think it kind of almost makes it easier. So I was in tech and then started STEMETS, where right? I did study maths, I did do all those things. Mm. And so actually it's like, of course, I would feel responsible. Of course, that would be something that would happen next when I then went on and started STEMETS. Mm. So in being uh, that kind of, that person, that spokesperson, that visible person I think for me, it, it means it's a part of that responsibility. It's a part of doing that responsibility well, right? If I hid myself away all the time and never did anything in public, then I'd, I would feel a little bit more like I'd had to do more behind the scenes or work a little bit harder to like meet that responsibility. So, you know, I I but I, I also take as part of the responsibility that I still need to be me and still need to... Be honest when you know things go wrong or you know when there are things I can't do. There's a lot of things I can't do, even though there are so many things I can do. Life is so much more complicated than maths. And so I think for me, that's that's what I've enjoyed about doing this. I've got a really nice comment actually on a poster put I put out about it um back in December. And it's you know, it was a father being like, Yeah, you know, her seeing you, this is it. Like she she saw you on something else. I, I actually did the special back in September and it was like she saw you there, and she was like, I want to be like her and I think things like that you know it you it touches you inside but you're like at least you know a bit like now you're here doing this Nicola because of Carol there's that sense of I definitely it's not been in vain even if it's just the one girl who's like yeah okay this is something I can do look at her doing it or even if it's the one person who's like you know I like trainers and I like maths and I've never seen a mathematician that loves trainers as, as much as someone like Amarie and now I've seen that how Amory's trainer game is so 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 high level and top notch on Countdown, I know I can still love the trailers and do the maths and it's not one or the other. So I think I have that, I feel I've had that responsibility to kind of be me as much as possible whilst doing the maths whilst doing the arithmetic whilst you know making mistakes sometimes or needing longer or whatever it is so folks can kind of see you know it all of these things are possible and it's not just one vision of maybe how Carol did it or how Rachel did it, everybody can do the maths or do the arithmetic in their own way as themselves.
0: Do you think I always wanted to have more arithmetic than the letters? I I want to, you know, you get <laughs> only two or three in an episode. Be like, no, give me more numbers. <laughs> Do you reckon there could be like a countdown version two where it's more about the numbers? And we just have a word scramble every now and then. I'd love that.
1: It's funny you say that, I mean it has changed, so now there are four rounds of maths in each episode and they have tweaked with they have tweaked the format over the years, so it's not, this isn't Countdown version one, I think this is Countdown version three or four actually at this point, um, so yes yeah, so there, there is a little bit more maths, I mean as someone that's been doing it in the studio <laughs> loads, uh, I'd say I think there's enough, there is enough maths, I love maths, don't get me wrong, but it's nice sometimes to have a little bit of a break and let everybody do the letters while I kind of rejig things and just make sure I've got my 75 times tables down pat. Um, I'm conscious that our
0: time together on this episode is coming, you know, fast approaching the end. Um I just want to know if there is any words of advice um that you could offer our listeners today you know if you were heading into a classroom to teach young people today um maths or science or you know engineering or anything like that what would you be doing to engage young people um to explore a stem directed pathway what information do you think these students need from their teachers to, that's going to hopefully interest them further
1: Yes, this is a great question. It's actually something we've just been working on with the Institute of Education, actually based at UCL, under our Yes STEM project, so Y-E-S, like yes instead of no, and then STEM, so Yes STEM, Um, yesstem.org, but essentially, I think the, the biggest thing to kind of take in is a sense of equity in the way that we teach, which I think at the moment the way the system's set up, the way that teachers are trained, the way you know the whole thing is, the way we were even taught, it was it was about the teacher in that position of power, telling you the things, giving you that you know that's the way that we do the multiplication, that's the way that those things happen. These are the people that did it, and this is what's important. And what we've been looking at, um, particularly in informal science learning scenarios, so I'm sure there'll need to be a re-up or remix or something for more formal science learning. Um, environments, but looking at how can we have equitable practice in the way that we engage young people with STEM. And so there's actually a youth equity compass we've come up with that I definitely would direct teachers to take a look at, people to take a look at that says, you know, how are we using the interests of the people in our classroom, the um, skills of the people in our classroom, the perspectives of the people in our classroom, and reflecting that back in what, in how we teach the science and how we engage with them. So as much as we have brought the science knowledge or we have brought the maths knowledge in, we haven't brought, I don't know, the knowledge of Instagram or the knowledge of dance or the knowledge of whatever it is that our students and our peoples know and understand and it's something we do a lot at stemets where you know we bring the infographic platform or we bring the data handling you know software but you bring your data points like what is it you're interested in is it sentiment on twitter on twitter is it the wanted is it one direction you know we had a we had a six-year-old that came to the data hack and builder bear was her obsession and she ended up you know collecting statistics on builder bear and building a really nice infographic on builder bear and it was we brought the graphic and we brought the the statistics and the data handling but she brought the builder bear or someone else was a chelsea fan there's another her sister actually was a chelsea fan so she used chelsea and that was her thing and i think there's something for us to to do in terms of you know working, playing with that power dynamic and saying, yes, I know the maths and yes, I'm the teacher, but what do you know and how do we meet in the middle? And how do we empower young people then to see the science on their terms and recognise that there's a lot that they can bring to maths, there's a lot that they can bring to tech, there's a lot that they can bring to engineering or whatever it might be from their perspectives. So that would be my, and in some ways we do that with the Millions packs, but that would be my approach. It's okay, there's a lot of things I know, there's a lot of things I don't know. And so, you know, if you you don't know the maths, that's fine. It doesn't mean you're a lesser person. Yes, of course, it's something you can learn. But how do we match that up with what you do know or what you know you're good at or what you'd like to be good at or what you're interested in? So that's that would be my approach as a teacher. I know it's hard to do that with 30 or more sometimes as well in the classroom at the same time. Um, but where there's a will, there's a way. And I think, you know, even in the types of role models and types of people that we bring, even in. You know, I, sometimes I do go to classrooms and I see my face on the on the wall. It's quite overwhelming, but I know how important that can be for the little Amorys that are in the classroom who might not necessarily have seen them be- seen themselves before in textbooks and in other in other spaces. So, how much can we reflect our young people in the way that we teach them? How much can we allow them to have some sort of agency in in their learning path? And and I think that's where the magic really happens with STEM when people are with matter, whatever it is, when people are able to see it as a tool for what they want to do. Um, which I think you know when we talk about you know and it's always the joke right? So when someone goes to the supermarket and has supermarket has fifteen pineapples and they add five pineapples. It's like okay cool. What if you don't like pineapples? <laughs> you know what's the equivalent and how can we allow folks to understand that and see that um, you know matters a tool for them in whatever they are doing. It's not something they can run away from, but it is definitely something that's going to be super useful to them.
0: I think, I think that's a really, really valid point as well about just promoting or exhibiting and enhancing that culture of the students taking that ownership for their own discovery and learning and having that, you know, the, the culture of asking questions and the what ifs. I think that's a really good place to start. Um, and I, I used to learn so much from my students about, you know, so many other things. It was like this exchange, you know, mm-hmm. I'll share my maths knowledge but can mm-hmm. you say with me i don't know it might be a sport related thing or you know just having that open dialogue about teaching each other um, mm-hmm. and passing knowledge upon each other i think that's that is really really key um so fa- finally Um, We cannot have you um, on on our episode today without talking about the incredible honour of receiving your MBE from the Queen. Um, I just wanted to know on on a personal note what that meant to you and whether, you know, how it felt to meet the Queen herself and, and, you know, what that experience was
1: like for you. So I met the Queen actually before I got the MBE at a, at a, at a different event at Buckingham Palace, as you do. <laughs> Can I say that I've only ever been twice? Um, so that was that was I, I couldn't believe it. I basically just squealed like that. That was something that I. Uh, there's a, pho- there's a great photo of it as well, and everyone's like, oh, it looks like you're talking. I'm like, no, I'm literally just like, oh, my goodness, my hand is touching the Queen's hand in mm-hmm. this very moment, like as if that's a thing that was going to happen in my lifetime. Um, but I think getting the MBE was, was a big shock to me. It was a big surprise. And it was a bit of a, it, 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 a bit of a curveball. It kind of came out of nowhere. Um, Stamets was not that old. I think it was, it was four years old, maybe at that point, three years old and it was it was very affirming I think there's I mean we even had this yesterday you know there's a teacher that we've been emailing around for, for something that we're we're running across the country um in Carnarvon, Hull, Londonderry, Paisley and Luton um, and a teacher head teacher from one of the the schools kind of emailed back and said I hope you're offering this to our to our boys as well and it's been it's so interesting because there's so many times that you you know something's the right thing to do you know something's needed or you know what the the upshot is going to be of being that person in that space or being that role model or running that session and it's been it there, you always get you know things like that and kind of push back and I think having the MBE was one thing that at least the queen is like I get it and I get this is something important and thank you for doing what you're doing so I, I saw it as that as that that was it it was like a kind of okay you're on the right part even though you know when we started there were lots of people that were like, why would you want to single out the girls and you know people who i don't know hate the name and because it reminds them of cigarettes and i'm like okay cool but that has a lot more to do with you and you know et, the history of ets in your life than it does necessarily of what it is that we're actually trying to do here and, and you know what why we are called the stemets so i think there's a there's an interesting um, kind of set of things that end up coming at you as someone that's trying to do something trying to make change and is also a social entrepreneur that having something like an MBE is at least one voice one very loud voice saying do you know what what you're doing is okay and it's a good thing and so it was quite a big it was a big thing it's one of the one of the biggest things that's ever happened to me I think ending up at, at Buckingham Palace it was Charles that gave it to me that day Prince Charles sorry that gave it to me that day and I think it, there's something of a yeah like we we see you And not only do we see you, we thank you, we appreciate what you're doing. So it was huge. Um, And since then, it's been it it is a fun. It is a funny one because obviously I don't have MBE tattooed tattooed on my head. So I end up in different places. And I think people either you you don't. I don't want to be treated differently. But it's quite funny because I'm like, I wonder if that person on the bus knows that the person sat next to them has an MBE sometimes. (laughs) You know, I turn up at dinners and people are like, hmm, they will kind of look at me and maybe I don't look like an MBE. So they're like, huh, I see. What did you do? You must have done something to get this MBE or to be in this room. So it's quite an interesting thing to kind of have um and then of course the thing itself are kind of they're quite i mean obviously it's a precious precious item so everyone's always like where do you keep it and i'm like it's in a drawer hidden away Mm. i'm scared i'm gonna lose it because like i said (laughs) i'm I'm good at the maths but not good at a lot of other things in life like remembering (laughs) where i've put things in the house
0: absolutely what an incredible experience and i think it's important that you have those almost pinch yourself moments like yeah. hmm, i wonder if that person over there realizes that i've got an mbe or i want you know i just think it's so incredible and it's so important to celebrate you know those achievements um and i think that what an incredible positive um theme to that to finish our conversation up today and i could not be more grateful for the insights that you shared with us today and all of the projects and the books, of course. I cannot wait for the, the first book. And also those inspiring words and advice that I'm sure that listeners will be putting into practice the next time that they go into their classroom and stood in front of those 30 pairs of eyes looking mm-hmm. at inspiration. <laughs> so Dr Anne-Marie Imaphadon, thank you so, so much again for your time with me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Nicola, I really enjoyed it.
0: Absolute pleasure. And so until the next episode of The Right Angle, it is a farewell from both of us.